0: and i i'm to blame for this i was telling telling people how to get out of service when i had never done it myself we mean well but we have no idea what we're talking about until you've gone through that process you you're a detriment what we have to do is we have to have conversations we have to connect with those outside that have gotten out that have gone through it let's hear the good the bad the ugly and I'll tell you, the good's nice to hear, but it gives us a false self of, of abilities. The, the, hey, this is the kind of the norm, and oh my goodness, you don't want part of this.
1: Hello, this is Tab Bartley, and you are listening to the Oath We Took podcast, the show that tells the Marine Corps story through the Marines that served. This is the 11th episode, and I'm joined today by Bruce Thompson. He is the reason for this podcast. I know so many amazing Marines who hesitate to tell their stories. Their stories hold so much power and so many life lessons. Oftentimes though, they go untold. Not every Marine story is the same. What is the same is the oath that we all took. I'm honored today to have Bruce on to share a piece of his story. We'll talk about his journey in the Marine Corps and what he does now to help support those who are currently transitioning out. Thank you, Bruce, for joining me today.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And again, like you said, you know, we all have a story. Um, some of them are similar. You know, we we can all talk about Yellow Footprints uh, story and getting on and off the bus uh, and those wonderful first, you know, twenty four hours that uh, make Marines. But from there, the stories change, and there's things that we'll recognize. But then there's things that, like, oh my goodness, I never knew that existed, and it's that small Marine Corps with so many things that go on. And then we talk about life after service and, and it's just amazing. So I, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad we got a chance to hop on here, hit record and just have a conversation and, and share some stories.
1: Me too. And the first question that I ask everyone is why did you decide to join the Marine Corps?
0: Uh, interesting. You should make this uh question. Cause I, I posted on LinkedIn about this not too long ago. I, uh, I joined in the in the 92. I, I came into the Marine Corps. I was in a small farming community in the Southern California, Mexico uh, border town. And that's all it was. This is one of those towns that everybody knows about. Everybody knows your name. Everybody knows whose kids you are. Uh, and if you don't escape, like right after high school, you never escape. Uh, I did not. Like the area, I did not enjoy being there. I didn't want to stay there. That that wasn't the life I saw for myself. Um, and when you start figuring that out, it's like, okay, well, what are my options? How do how do I escape? And you know that that area military service was a huge way that most uh, you know high school graduates got out of the valley. And so you know you go to the recruiting office, and the the Navy recruiters, the ones who uh, got me in there to have a conversation. And my oldest brother uh, was in the Navy at the time. And so his experience, I knew I wasn't going to join the Navy. But it, it would say, I don't have to be in school because I'm a, over at the Navy recruiter's office. Why not? And then as I was over there, I got a friend who was in the uh, delayed entry program with the Marine Corps, uh, said, hey, just leave their office and come straight across the hall to, to this office. Uh, and it was it. I was done. Uh, I, I probably signed my contract within a couple of weeks. Uh, I spent maybe eight, nine months in delayed entry. And, you know, I, I shipped uh, about six weeks after graduation, uh, you know, eight eighteen 18 years old and, and about a month, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe a month, a month and a half, you know, and Went went to to MCRD San Diego, and you know, got the bus ride, uh, got the yellow footprint, uh, yellow footprints treatment, and you know as they say, uh, the story began.
1: And you served over twenty years, correct? Um, yeah,
0: I, I served uh, you know twenty three years nine months and a handful of days, but who's really counting, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: And what were some of the things, and especially like kind of those more monumental moments or maybe uh, jobs that you had in the Marine Corps, what are some of those those things you looked at back? Because 20 years is a long, 23 years is a long time to be in the <laughs> Marine Corps. You obviously did a ton of things, but what are, what are some of those monumental moments or billets or duties?
0: So uh, I'll tell you, like many, I was doing one contract, getting a skill, getting my GI bill and running away. Uh, obviously the story changed and for me, I, I'll tell you, I, I came in the Marine Corps. I was a motor transport operator, uh, got the videos, big trucks, you know, look great. I came from that community where, you know, monster trucks and, and off-roading and all that was awesome. So, you know, why wouldn't I? Yeah, that was not the experience I had as a motor transport operator. Uh, my first duty station was 29 Palms, California with magnificent South Marines. Uh, at the time, some some guy named Colonel Mattis uh, was the regimental commander. So I got to do so many incredible, awesome things that you don't do anywhere except on 29 Palms. You know, hey, you're going to the field for a week and you're driving for, you know, one, seven, two, seven, you know, whichever. And some people are like, hey, cool, I'm the driver. I'm going to hang out and sit in the truck, you know, and if you want me to drive, I'll drive. Otherwise, this is where I'm at. I'm like, bro, like I'm not here to sit in a truck. Like if I'm here, uh, have rifle, we'll play, you know. So I got to go out and just, you know, shoot all kinds of, you know, weapons. You know, whether we're talking about the nine mils, we're talking fifty, uh, you know, uh, Mark 19s, dropping mortars, uh, you know, it, it was it was a blast. And those experiences, you know molded me into the leader that i would become and to understand we're we're playing a very serious game you know we're it's training but this is the live fire base um you know i'll tell you i I get that 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 young first lieutenant story where hey he didn't follow the the rules and he had us bibwack short of camp wilson well, we woke up because someone dropped a bomb a lot closer because they did not know we were there. Talk about a wake up call. And, you know, a lot of people saying, you know, Hey, the hell with this. Like I'm, I'm rolling back in. whether really, I got permission or not. Uh, and those are some of those crazy experiences. But, you know, if you asked me that morning, I was not a happy camper, but you talk to me now. I'm like, it's funny. You know, Hey, good morning. You know, someone dropped a 500 pound bomb, you know, a lot closer than you wanted to be, you know, and, And it's, you never know what's going to happen during training. And being there and and going through these experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, the it suck going through it. And we all love the, you know, uh, embrace the suck because that's all you're going to get. But as as you go through that, those are the stories that we remember. You know, the bonding that we had because, you know, I, I don't care who you are. If we start talking about, field day it freezing it raining uh you know being on the rifle range you know in, in in okinawa during a monsoon and people are like i hope you're adjusting for wind like yeah i'm adjusting for wind but it's not really helping because the wind's swirling uh but you know th- those are those things and one of the unique things about about my my story was you know i I was more transport operator within six months, they pulled me over to be the maintenance management clerk to run the maintenance side because, and this is gonna sound crazy and I'm about to date myself because I knew how to operate a computer. Again, early nineties people, computers were not on our phones. We're we're not running around with all these things. you know, it, we're still talking big green machines. We're talking, you know, five and a quarter floppies that, you know, work maybe. Um, it, it was quicker to drive, you know, uh, a file, you know, cross base than it was to try to upload it. Th- those are the the times we were just getting into that whole networking thing. Uh, so I, I got into that and I stayed in that. Um, rarely did I drive. I was the you know, breaking case of emergency uh you know operator and and i left 20 palms and i get to go to cuba hidden gym if you know we got active service members uh listening try to go to cuba it is a great experience for you um you'll you'll really enjoy it especially if you like the water um and i was there before you could you know go into actual uh cuba and leave guantanamo bay but had a blast at it you know, thought I was going to get out. Went, you know, went to uh, Yuma, Arizona. Uh, it's my ten months with the wing. Um, all y'all who did the wing time, hey, God bless you. But it, it was not for me. Uh, you know, I, I'm a MLG, you know, division guy. Uh, I did not understand it. I didn't get it. I didn't. I did not embrace it. And we'll say, uh, I, I lat moved and ran as far away as possible. And of course, I lat moved into be a communication electronics maintenance technician, which meant. I got to go to twenty Palms for a year of schooling. Yay. And then I became the guy who did I and I duty. Most might do I and I duty once. And for those, you know, I'm sure I and I duty is inspector instructor duty. It's active duty service members that go and train select Marine Corps reservists. So we're the staff that's there every day. And, you know, when the, uh reserves come in for their weekend a month or their two weeks in the summer. We're the ones that are really there working and making sure that all the training and assistance and resources are are there and provided. I did it three times. I fought and this wasn't me volunteering. I first I and I duty I didn't even know what I and I duty was. You know, said hey you're going to something called Angelo uh it's like oh that's Anglico, Air Naval Gunfire, the Aison Company. Oh, never heard of it what's what do they do oh that sounds cool cool um where's that at long beach california like there's nothing in long beach california like (laughs) yeah there is it's called i and i Duty. you're out in the middle of of regular america not on a base and of course i show up it was on the uh, old uh, long beach naval uh, shipyards which had been bracked and so i got there just as they were blowing up the last little resemblance of buildings so Uh, we had a very small um, compound. And it it was, you know, three years of, hey, we know that this was your trained job, but we're going to have you do all these other things because there's only 18 of y'all on the staff running this company. And it's an independent company that reported directly to Marine Forces Reserve headquarters. So, And that's when first and second ENCODE went away. And we were you know, filling all of those requirements that uh, got left. Uh, so it, it was a, a busy, a fun and exciting time. But uh, again, it's another unique experience that a lot of people don't get, don't have. And and we can talk about, you know, the other INI duties and some of the other tours. But that was kind of my, you know, first six, seven, eight years that, you know, kind of molds you into who you are. and. Uh, I had some great successes. I had some falling on my faces, because we all do. Anyone walks up and says, oh, I never had a mistake. Well, the mistake was you listen to them because they're lying to you. Um, we learn by failing. Uh, and as long as you get up, it's not failing, it's learning. So it, it it's one of those ones. Uh, and let me tell you, uh, as a young Lance Corporal and having to go in and get, you know, um, arrows and aerosols signed by you know the the colonel man I, I i went to the command deck and was like here adjutant i need the colonel to sign this this and this and he's like no problem sit there i'm gonna go get these signed the adjutant walked into colonel mattis and said hey sir you blah, blah 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 it probably was less than 30 seconds the adjutant came right back out gave me that paperwork and said the colonel wants you to explain this to him and i'm sitting here like no like Lance Corporal does not walk in and talk to the Colonel. Like the fact that I even know where the command deck is is, in my opinion, is a mistake. Uh, but that's what my leaders, you know, did. They said, "Hey, you know, you're going to learn. We're going to put you in this position, and you know, we're talking about beads of sweat. Like, wh- what are the words I'm supposed to say when I walk in here? How do I report again? Like, you know, this is Colonel Mattis. You know, the and and." you know, the name rang true. And, uh, you know, I, I've got my, my own, you know, you know, stories of the, the many times that me and him ran into each other throughout our career and post-service, but I went in there and, and was like, you know, Hey, this is what's going on and explain it to him. And again, stuttering like an idiot because I'm a Lance Corporal and I don't know any better. And I'm probably 19 may- maybe, uh, So not where I ever expected I was gonna be sitting there, but it was the, okay, I want, you know, he wanted to hear from the source why we need to upgrade. What was so important that it required us to go to the highest level to get this stuff done. And that was my first encounter. And I had many more encounters where I had to go get, you know, um, work requests and, and shopping lists upgraded by him. And, you know, with repetition, comes at more ease and more understanding. Uh, and it was one of those ones where people tell you, you know, when, when the, the colonel and the sergeant major know your, your, the name of a Lance Corporal, it's usually not a good thing. Well, I, I was one of those ones that because of position that I was put in and the fact that my leadership, you know, pushed me out of that comfort zone and put me in roles that I usually would have done, uh, it, it helped me early on develop that that leadership trait to understand how things worked and why things were done certain ways, and you know, we <laughs> we grow by being uncomfortable. And I was lucky enough I had people that had faith and confidence in me, and they they threw me to the wolves, and and I survived. Uh, sometimes I came back beaten, bruised, and scarred up, but. You know, I still survive. And again, that's that's how you have to go about things because it's it's not gonna be perfect. And when people tell you, you know, oh I never had a hiccup or I never had this or I had that, um yeah, they're they're just putting that that face on and we have to rip the face, the, the masking that we do off. Um uh, you know we we all are humans. We all have our moments of greatness and we have our moments of horribleness or just sadness or however we want to call them. but uh, yeah, it, it was definitely a uh, a great experience to to go through and do some of these things, you know, before I got into uh, you know, the staff and c o ranks and and started really doing more uh, of, a, of the upper level, um, strategy and, and processes.
1: And you said earlier that you had been on I and I, um, three times, correct? Like yeah. three times in your career. And you, t- you just talked a, a lot about the leadership, but how did that really develop your leadership at all those different like ranks and levels? Because obviously as a Lance corporal, you're doing something completely different as where a corporal and a Sergeant, you're now trying to lead Marines who aren't even there. Yeah. Like, how was that, and how did that develop you as a leader?
0: So, uh, I was fortunate, unfortunate, however you want to look at it. When I got to Twenty Nine Palms out of my MOS school, I I checked in and I was the senior lance corporal in the unit. And there was the gunny, and ten of us, you know, E threes or below. They uh, everybody was deployed to Somalia uh i miss somalia by a week is pretty much what they they gave said hey if you would have checked in the previous monday you probably would have been on the plane by friday but because you checked in that was kind of that magical window of uh we're not sending people over anymore now it's the retrograde kind of thought process so i i show up and you know got my alphas on in 20m palms and you know the spring so it's only like 90 degrees you know you're only sweating a ton because you're nervous already plus you know it's it's alphas, and and you start talking to you know most dispatcher or you know, one of them is like yeah you need to go uh, you know over here and you're gonna talk to the gunny I'm like no I'm not like I'm a lance corporal lance corporal might talk to a sergeant I'm not talking to a gunny that's way above my pay grade uh like no like it it's us and him and it was one of those ones you know just sweating bullets like how do again how do i report how do i do these things because you don't know anything well again i was a senior lance corporal so i checked in he was he was uh, getting close to his retirement he really took me under his wings and, and became that uh kind of marine father figure of like let me lead and teach you and train you and he said hey you're my senior lance corporal so you're in charge and i'm sitting here like these guys have been around for like Three, four plus years. What do you mean? I'm in charge. Like I don't know anything. I just got out of school. You know, I I, I still have problems reciting general orders, and you're out here telling me, you know, I'm going to be directing everybody and what we do and all. And uh, to his credit, he he put me in the role. He forced you know me to do it. Uh, for the most part, the other Marines understood and you know, worked along and there's always some fight back and push back this, that. And it's expected because I didn't know anything, but I was in charge, you know. Uh, And as everybody kind of came back from deployment, you know, he he kept me over on the maintenance side of the house and really helped me develop. And, you know, he had hands off where, hey, you're going to leave him alone. And then I had his replacement come in, who was you're one of those leaders that you you learn from in a, in a negative way, but you you learn how not to be, uh, how not to do things. And so I took that experience, and again I went to Cuba and I was you know platoon sergeant, and you know I I did some training of people senior than me, uh, got to Yuma where I was in charge of you know the training training section, so sending people to PME, doing their MCIs, rifle uh, range, just you know. Uh, the pfts field exercises you name it and so i'm doing all that for a squadron and you're like hey i never thought i'd be here so i had all of that and then of course you you get sent to ini duty and hey there's uh 18 of us in the first one so uh show up and i was a sergeant so i was one of the juniors uh i just get out of school so i'm trying to figure out my new job in this com and It's similar with maintenance is maintenance, but, you know, different equipment and theories. And next thing you know, they're like, oh, by the way, yeah, that's your your job. But here are your collateral duties. And all of a sudden I'm in the armory. I'm your network administrator. And this was before, you know, we're talking, you know, Microsoft Office and Exchange, where we actually manually go in there and do it. And this is when we talk about, you know, uh, you know. all of our pre-Microsoft uh, when it was not as easy or as, as fun. Um, all of a sudden, you know, if if it rained and our phone systems had problems, everybody came to me and we were in Navy Marine Corps Reserve Center, but I was the guy in charge of the network and the phones. And I'm like, hey, this is a Navy building. Why is the Navy, who's the senior, not, not running this stuff? And we're as a... Uh, As a subordinate unit attached there, getting the services from them, we're like okay, whatever. And I rewired a complete building. I was doing things I had no idea about, and I relied heavily on my reservists. And I would call them up left and right. And like any Marine, it's the bonds you get. We can say where we want to. We are in a people business. Whatever you're doing, we deal with people. If you treat people fairly you treat people the right way you use emotional intelligence and we interact that is going to lead to success if you think i'm after duty you're a reservist you know nothing i know everything yeah you're going to fail and i've seen it uh and so i i learned that and it was hey i'm not going to do this on my own uh you're not an eye duty nothing is done on your own uh, you know there's days where i was the the PFC, and there's days where I was the major, um, and some days it was the same day, and and that's what you had to understand is, you know, check your ego at the door. We don't know everything; no one does, and if you're afraid to ask for help, you're going to have a lot of problems. So uh, I learned things, and and we can talk about. I didn't know what Toys for Tots was. Oh my goodness! I I love that horrible program. Uh, it, and it's an amazing program. It does so many great things. But wow, does it take over your life for those 120 days that it, it exists uh, each year. So um, that's an experience all in and of itself that we could talk for a couple hours about. Because, uh, again, I, I did it for nine years. And it I had some of the best times of those events. And I had some of the worst times during those events uh I duty, we can talk about the funeral details that we had to do as part of our regular um you know tasks and i remember one day we did three of them in one day and and that was as a unit you know we didn't do all three of them because we had to split our unit up and um i i pray and wish that people never have to go and be part of the funeral details um, Especially not having to do hundreds of them like I, and I staff members do, uh, it it wears on you, you mentally, physically, um, and as so you have some experience and um, being on INI duty, we had a Marine who uh, was killed in Iraq, and uh, as staff uh, staff sergeant, I was given the the task that I was going to fly from uh, Los Angeles to, to Dover and bring that fallen Marine home. Uh, Again, experience I don't wish on anyone because it, it is not mentally. It's not a great thing. I mean, it's an honor to be able to do that and to, to be the escort and the responsibilities that you have. But again, mentally it is not, uh something that you you do it and i've never thought much about you know that experience but um there's a movie called taking chance with kevin bacon that movie's about 95 spot on the only difference that i had compared, compared to where he was i didn't go to the vfw and have beers and drinks with them but the rest of it was there um and i liked the movie so me and my wife were watching it and Apparently halfway through it, she stopped watching the movie, and was watching me, and was talking about all the experiences and the emotions that I was going through that I didn't even realize it. So those things wear and tear on you. Uh and you know, we are great about masking. We we, we swallow those feels and we put those feels down deep, deep in our gut. And I think that's why we all have like stomach issues. Uh, because we we don't deal and process them because we don't have time for that because it's mission focused. It's uh, I don't have time for this because, you know, the next appointment's coming up, next exercise is coming up. Hey, I don't want to go talk about my mental health because I got a clearance. Um, I I don't want to be that, that guy, or that gal. Uh, I, I want to be mission ready. And I don't want to be taking away from that. Um, and again, you know, that, that comes on, but, you know, we we have cloud duties everywhere. I think at one point on I, and I duty, I had 18. Um, and I remember when I was, you know, doing my turnover as I was going to PCS out and my replacements come in, it was the okay, I collected all these cloud duties, but they don't belong here. So let's get these out of the S6 and let's get these back to the S1, the three, the four shops. And, and people are like, How did all these end up with you? Um simply put if you're an I and I duty and you're someone who gets things done without complaining and just, you know, says, screw it. No one else will do it. I got it. They'll they'll continue to stack up on you. And, and that's kind of where I was. And I was that guy that didn't ask for help. So, you know, it was the, Hey, we're going to keep stacking things on this guy until he breaks down and says, I need help. And well, at my second I and I duty, I never asked for help. So I was, that person who walked around and had so many of duties uh, and I laughed because I had the key ring that you know, opened pretty much 80 percent of all the, all the doors because I had responsibilities in the admin building, the maintenance building, uh, the compound and everything else. And again, I checked into on I, I duty while everybody was deployed. So it was, Hey, you own the ramp. I'm like, Hey, one question, what's the ramp and they're like everything inside the gated compound. I'm like, Oh, you know, and then it's like, oh, by the way, you also own like you know, fifteen percent of the admin building with all of the services and uh, and secure rooms and all. And you're like, oh, thank you. Uh, so you know, it's it's definitely that experience. And you know, my last time on I I duty, I showed up. Uh, I just came back from Afghanistan. I was a brand new brand new mass sergeant. Uh, you know, I checked in. It was like hey, this would be great. I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. I fought and pleaded never to go there because I was a West Coaster. And uh, the guy I replaced was the person I replaced the very, very first... The guy who sent me there, our monitor at the time, I placed him on I and eye duty the very first time in Los Angeles. And the criteria was, I need someone who's been on I and eye duty and needs no turnover because you're not going to get one. And I'm like, oh, like the one you gave me? He's like, yep. And that's, you know for months, you know, while I'm in Afghanistan, arguing with him about, you know, my next duty station, and, you know, I lost that negotiation, I, I showed up, I got the high five, we, uh, I checked in right after drill weekend, so as the um, outbound mass sergeant was checking out, you know, uh, and everybody was giving him his five-minute, you know, like, your awesome speech, I, I got the, hey, you got big shoes to fill, I was like, yeah, 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 uh, three days later, he was gone to go be the monitor, and I went to my, you know, senior, you know, course, you know, did that for a month, you know, two weeks course, two weeks post-deployment leave. I checked in. Four days later, I'm on a plane from Kansas City to, the, to Reno because we were going uh, to Bridgeport for, you know, the large largest uh, reserve exercise, you know, in CONUS. And me and the colonel had our in-brief on the flight. You know it was like hey i'm i'm a new master and he's like well you also don't know that here in about two months you're gonna be my new uh, sergeant major and i'm like cool so i'm the combo the the comm chief the com maintenance ekms and about 15 other things oh and by the way i'm gonna be the regimental sergeant major as you know in an, an additional duty gotta love i and i duty you know sink or swim and, and and if you if you sink, you still got responsibilities. Uh, so by doing all of those things, I became a very versatile and informed individual. Uh, I knew how, you know, the government travel charge card program worked inside and out because I was the coordinator. I had the training. So going back to other you know duty stations, you couldn't tell me you know how DTS worked or what could or couldn't be done. I i been there, did it, I knew it. I was your security manager. I did security clearances. I ran the supernet vaults, I, I ran the EKMS vaults. so we want to start talking about you know what was the authorized uh, you know locks that could be on there or what requirement you had for uh, a room to be a secure room uh, who could be in out, out you know what we had to redact when we were giving a unclass brief by a secure brief. and then I'm like, how did this happen? like this isn't anything I did. I'm I went from a motor heat driver to a maintenance, you know, clerk to to an electronics technician. How how did I do all these other things? But that's the beauty of the ring Corps. Uh, grow where planted, and that that's the we're going to give you very little training, but we expect you to be perfect at this position. Uh, go forth and do great things, and uh, I was very successful at most of it. You know, there's some things I was not successful at. You know, because as again, no one's perfect. But those are the experiences that that build. And I tell people I had a very non-traditional, you know, Marine Corps career. You know, most people were like never see I and I duty. A lot of people don't even know that I and I duty is a thing. Uh, and of course, I love the. F- Love those that say, "Oh, I and I do Yeah, that's a vacation tour. You're going to go kick back, relax. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have got that tour because I never found that one. <laughs>
1: uh, but you, you know, you did all these amazing things. But I think what resonates, at least from the conversation we had before, and like you know what you do on LinkedIn and what you talk about now, is one of the things you didn't do though is ask for help. Yeah. And how then, when you transitioned out of the Marine Corps, how did that? How did that transition go, and how did that not asking for help help when you should have been asking for help? Right when you shouldn't have been doing all these things and holding all of this weight, what was that impact?
0: So, my Marine Corps career came to a sudden end when my body magically said, No mass, we're done, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, shoulders, backs, knees, mental health internal medicine issues uh you know magically all hit and it it was the realization of i can't do the minimum and i told you i i signed my contract when i was 17 years old i shipped a boot camp at 18 years old in a month uh feel old it's all i ever knew and so now that's all going away and coming to a very, very, you know, screeching halt. I can go back and tell you from like as early as I can remember, I was the sports guy. Well, that was coming to an end as well because I could no longer go out and play basketball, football, heck, just run, sometimes just standing or sitting for a long period of time, hurt. Uh, and so all that. You know, it was coming to a, a head-on collision at the same time and this this like, huge chapter was being done. Um, I didn't ask for help. Uh, I, I tried to figure it all out on my own. Um, I was very, very unsuccessful at it. Um, but throughout my career, I did those things that you're supposed to. Uh, I went and got multiple degrees. Uh, I hopped on LinkedIn. LinkedIn wasn't LinkedIn like it was, you know, eight years ago when I was in my transition process. Uh, but I, I did it enough. And I I found, you know, went to TAP, you know, the wonderful transition assistance program, which really needs overhaul. And the nonprofit community does a much better job at it than the uh, DOD mandated course. And... And it's because we think we're going to go to this class for five days and come out experts. You know, that's our mistake is we have unrealistic expectations of what that workshop is supposed to be about. Uh, But I didn't know what I wanted to do once I took off the uniform. And and let me tell you, I didn't have a problem taking off the uniform. Hell, I told you I, I, I did a lot more time, you know, wearing... You know, a hoodie, you know, and and basketball shorts. than then I really wasn't uniform because I was on independent duty and you ran around a little bit. And and again, I told you I was the private always to the major and sometimes on the same day. So my rank wasn't that big a deal, uh, and and that's not being disrespectful of the rank. Uh, I busted my button, I earned it, and, and accomplished something. A lot of, never get to that level, uh, but it was never who I was. Uh, and, and like I said, that was people and relationships, and I went and got my degree in human resource management because again, people business uh, but I didn't ask the questions on how do you get from marine to c- civilian HR or you know government HR or any of these other things I never really asked that uh, I was lucky enough that I was you know on an E8 panel, talking to our our gunnies about you know you know mass art or first sergeant, you know the differences, and giving them some guidance on helping them decide which which path they might want to go. And a couple of them had gone to this uh, career transition assistance program. Excuse me, um, out in town in, in in San Diego, and so me and another mass art who were getting ready to retire shortly were like. Hey, we've never heard of that. Tell us about it. That program is the best program that I've been to during my transition and up till today with everything I do in the space. It taught me what it really meant to transition, and it gave it to me uh, in three-hour, you know, segments. Of course, uh, of eight nights, uh, and, I, and the nights were spread out. They weren't like back to back. So it gave me things that I could comprehend to go do some homework on and, and it really helped me network figure out who I was. Uh and we won't talk about that first night when they said, hey, you know, you gotta bring a resume in there. And and I had scribbled some stuff on a piece of paper. And I was professionally embarrassed to hand that in. And between my wife who I, I made go do course with me, she didn't need it, but she went there because I needed her support to to help me. And you know, Janice Whitaker, who is, you know, one of the facilitators and the the person who runs the program, you know, they basically had to kind of take that from me. And as I'm at that low, she looked at my resume, she looked at me and was like, this is why you're here. We're going to fix this. Man, I tell you, I came back two nights later and my resume was still garbage, but I was like, yeah, I want you to look at it. And, and That's kind of that, you know, slap across the face that we need. I was retired. Uh, My health was horrible. Kids were gone, we were debt-free, wife had a great job. So I didn't focus on getting back into the employment side as much, Uh, which means I wasn't thinking, what do I want to do? I wasn't researching companies. I wasn't like learning more about this cultural fit thing that people talk about. And I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. I was trying to get my health right and uh, i left the marine corps with 14 surgeries we ran out of time so i had three surgeries left that i had once i got into the va healthcare system uh and that doesn't account procedures and uh therapy and and all the other things were going on and that's not even talking about the mental health that i finally gave in and said yeah there's some stuff you know up in my head that that's been bounced around that i've not dealt with for a long long time Uh, and so that was where i was at that's a lot um like i said you know this is like flipping my world upside down uh everything i thought i knew was going away and it was all this unknown and there's there's no magical answer for that, you you have to go through the process to understand it. Um, and you have to find the right resources and individuals to be there. Um, and so I got to the point where I was like, hey, I'm about a week and a half, two weeks from being unemployed uh, for the first time in my adult life. That's scary. Uh, I went to one of those military heading firms. I filled out my paperwork. You know, it was the resume of like, hey, this is all the stuff I, you know, this is my MOS, my security clearance. Uh, here's a bunch of assignments I did, and they invited me to one of their hiring um, of events. I, I walked in. They said, "Hey, you know, here here's a job: senior production uh, supervisor at electronics manufacturer," and took the interview. Hit it out of the park. Um, you know, two days later, I was there for the on-site. I, I was there from 9, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. I talked to everybody from the janitor to the factory manager and everyone in between. Um, tells you how out of it and not understanding of the process I was. I showed up in a suit and tie. They were wearing jeans and t shirts, maybe a polo. Um, so, very, very uncomfortable day. Showed that I did not understand the culture, what they really did, how they worked. But I went to that class. The class, tech, Tap said, you wear a suit and tie, you know, dress to impress. Again, lessons learned, uh, understand and use the rule of plus one. I got the job. I started, you know, uh, my official retirement was uh, Saturday. Sunday was my first day uh, as a veteran. And Monday, I showed up and was the senior production supervisor, uh, electronics manufacturer. 45 people on my staff. I was working second shift, 2 p.m. to midnight. My mental health was not where it should have been. I had no business taking this position. Now, let me tell you, they paid me 100k off the start. I'm that guy who put zero effort into finding a job and landed a six-figure job uh, you know, we'll we'll say middle to upper management out there because I I really had two people above me before, you know, we're talking factory manager and assistant factory manager than me. Um, so I had it, you know, charge of 45 people. It was manufacturing. So those y'all who like Groundhog Day, and hey, manufacturing is for you, it's a great thing. It was not for me. Uh, I was working 2 p.m. to midnight. I was not seeing Neela, uh, my, my wife, my my better half, my ride or die, the person who keeps me sane. Uh, we weren't having conversations because when she get up and go to work, I was sleeping. Uh, when I went to work, she was still at work. When I got home, she was sleeping. And so we were trying to put all this time into two days. Uh, the job gave me no purpose. It's the easiest job I've ever had in my life. I had no idea why they are pay me so much. I, I had Lance Corporals that could have done this job and loved it um i lasted four weeks uh, and i i might have lasted six before i would have left it but uh at three week mark i was headed off linkedin i took the interview uh and they offered me a position which was doing more of what i wanted to be doing it was paying me more money uh, i had more freedom i had a real purpose and, and so i hopped on that well that was for you know two navy contracts white collar blue collar you know staffing uh, so i worked those off and on for nine months poof one phone call i got hey we didn't win the contracts if anything comes up you yeah, know we'll give you a call oh they tell you it's been six years they've not called me apparently nothing came up I'm just saying nothing <laughs> so the, the, those are all like i'm going to get into contracting hey it's a fun and cruel world out there so uh you know, we're not living in goat funds or GWAT funds where you know everybody's getting government jobs and, and crazy salaries. So understand it, it It's a risk, but everything's a risk. So don't be afraid of it. Just be aware and understand that. Okay. Um, after that, um, it really kind of got and said, hey, uh, I don't need to work. I've got my retirement check. I'm one hundred percent permanent total disabled, wife works kid-free, debt-free, I quit. I don't need to work. I'm not going to. And huge mistake. Um, I got into a very deep, dark depression. Uh, I was talking to absolutely no one. I did not leave my house for over four weeks. And when I say didn't leave my house, I'm talking me walking from my front door across the street to the mailbox and back was my level of leaving the house. Um, me, uh, and the couch had a, a date where we, we sat there and we watched TV, uh, me and my pup, and we took naps. That was my existence. Again, I was not on social media. I was not on the phone. I was not interacting. Um, but I can probably recite every episode of MASH to you, um, some will say that's a great trivia hack. Some will be like, Bruce, like, what is wrong with you? A lot was, a lot was. Um, and then neither after you know a month, you know, and this is pre-COVID. You know, I know COVID, people are like, yeah, I don't leave the house anymore because everything's worked. No, no, this was pre-COVID when you left the house. Like, I didn't even go to Walmart. Like it it, it, it was like, you know, only across the street and back. So she finally said, hey, you need to get out of the house. You need to go do something. And after we kind of fought and argued a little bit about that, I said, fine. So I went and started uh golfing again. I show up, executive part three golf course, because I couldn't play a, a full life course. My body would just hurt too much. I put my earbuds in. I signed in. I got a cart. They knew me because I'd been there so often with PMEs and, and going away functions. I get a cart. Again, it's a par three and I'm still riding a cart. It's how broken I was. I go to the first tee. I play 18 to 36 holes, depending on how busy they were and how my body was feeling. And I would not speak to a single person. I'd come home, I'd unload, you know, take a shower and get back to my favorite spot on the couch, watching TVs, taking naps with my dog. Because you know, my dog was like, where have you been all day? We missed you. Uh, after... A couple weeks to that, you know, she saw the clubs and all that. she's like, oh, cool. You're golfing. You're getting back out. Who are you golfing with? I'm like, no one. She said, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm going out to the, the course and I'm just swinging the clubs on my own. She's like, no, 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 no. The whole person you're getting out of the house was you needed to go people. You needed to talk to people. You need to be around people. You need to engage with people. And this is where I said, I don't like people. She said, yes, you do. I said, no, I really don't. She said, Bruce, yes, you do. I said. Mila, I don't like people. She's like, Bruce, yes, you do. Like you get excited. You grow. You like, like you're a people person. I'm like, ah, oh, you're right. I am. And, and so again, it, it got back out there. I was like, yeah, let me go, you know, uh, apply for some jobs. And she's like, You can go apply for whatever job you want because it's not about the money. It's about you going out and having something to do that you're going to enjoy. And I was like, hell with that. If I'm going to work, I'm going to get paid. Uh, And here goes the struggle again. I applied for three positions, all three within the transition. One was teaching uh, workshops for the uh, Marine Corps family team building. So, Franklin Covey, Love Languages, you know. Uh, things of that nature another one was going to be a logistics manager to make sure that all the workshops uh, classrooms uh, equipment uh, instructors were all locked on uh, for the personal professional development uh and course version of soldier for life and family uh, uh, programs first one was my job I just had to go through the process it was already my job uh, networking and everything had done that for me. The second one logistics manager spot is between me and one other individual. Uh, we knew each other, uh, the two uh, retired sergeants major that were making the decision, we had both worked for garrison and deployed. It was basically who was going to do the better in during the interview. And then I applied for a third one, which was to be a department of labor employment workshop facilitator. Uh, life was good, I was excited again. Well, 2017 had this thing called the federal hiring freeze. I did not get through those interview processes fast enough. And so the two jobs that were either mine or 50-50 shot went away. Uh talk about a I I just got out of this deep dark depression. I was I was back feeling good, and they cut my legs out underneath me. That third job, I forgot I even applied for it. Why? Because I had the first two locked on. The other one was kind of a it was a throwaway. Um, they called me up out of the blue. It took me three or four minutes to figure out what they were talking about, and who they were, and uh, they were asking me questions about transition. Well, I'd already been in this space for almost a year at this point. I'd gone through multiple workshops, transition programs. Uh, you know, I'd learned the lingo. I'd learned the language. It, it was there. Uh, I, I found multiple jobs. You know, I'd done plenty of interviews. So, uh, as they asked the questions, it was like, okay, these these are like very very simple questions. And then they're like, and we're going to give you a topic and give you a couple of days to give us a presentation. And I'm like, do you want it right now? Like, you know, Marines hip pocket classes. Like you, you know, how many times have we said, here's a pin. Give give me a class, you know. And they're like, no, 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 dude, we're going to give it to you. Take a couple of days, you know, adjust the slides, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. Uh, Did it. Okay. The presentation, you know, it it was 10 minutes on the phases of interviews. I was like, okay, you gave me 10 minutes to talk about that. Like, that's really compact timeline, but hey, I got it. You know, obviously, uh, I did well. I was off position. I I taught the employment workshop three of the five days of that wonderful uh, TAP course for two and a half years in Southern California and here in the Southeast once I moved from San Diego to Jacksonville, Florida. I love the interaction. I love being able to teach these transition service members uh, and their, their spouses what it really meant and needed to do in the transition process i might not have been the best by the book facilitator because i might have done things that were outside the scope of what i was supposed to do and allowed to do but again they were not paying me tons of money or something crazy and i was there to take care of my fellow service members veterans and uh, spouses and so that was more important than if they came in and said, hey, Priest, you've you know, gone outside, you're covering outside the lines. And I'm like, I'm a Marine. We do that. You're lucky if I'm not eating the crown, right? Uh, <laughs> but it, it was me being able to give more and have people understand what I wish I had gotten when I really needed it the most. And there are great facilitators out there of this, of this program. There are those that are there collecting a paycheck and checking a box. Just like I'll tell you, you're gonna go find different nonprofits. Nonprofits are doing great things, nonprofits are doing okay, and nonprofits are doing bad things. Uh, sale or for-profits. For you're gonna find this when you go into any job search. You're gonna have, recruiters talent acquisition teams that are going to be the best you've ever worked with and you just are amazed by them you're going to have some that get the job done and you're going to have some that are going to ghost you left and right um you have to understand you're it's varied you you have to be prepared for all of it and to adjust you're just like we did while we we're in service we had those bosses that we absolutely loved and would have gone to war and taken a bullet for. We had some that got the job done, and we had some that taught us everything that we knew we would never do when we got into a position of authority. We learned from each of them. We adapted and and worked with. It's the same thing as you transition. Um, a lot of people are gonna tell you I'm their cup of tea, and some will be like, Yeah, that loudmouth Bruce, like that dude. And it's okay because we all have something different that we gravitate to that we connect with. And that's that's where as we talk transition, and and it, it took me just 11, 12 months to find my place post-service. Um and because I'm retiree, because I'm that broken, I have a lot of financial freedom that. I was able to go through that without the additional stress of, I have to go have this job, and I can't quit, and I can't. Uh, and let's be honest, 9% of the people do not have that financial freedom. And that's where the struggle comes from. This is where it, I had the freedom, and I, I went to that deep, dark place. Um, I had my mental health issues that I didn't deal with. Um and again, if my wife had not kind of sat me down and said, I don't know what the heck's going on in your head, but you're not the same person. You need to get help. Um, who knows where I'd be. And I'll tell you, when she told me that, I, I went to mental health the next morning. Uh she told me that in the evening, you know, uh 7:30. Uh, I'm signing in to Naval Hospital, Camp Pendleton's Mental Health Clinic. And you told my shop, hey, I'm at the hospital. I will be there whenever I get there. Um, and it was not an easy process. And the first person I talked to was probably the worst person for me to talk to. Uh, we were not the right fit. It, it, it's when you're going to open up and start talking about very, very uncomfortable things that you've eaten and buried and hidden and refused to talk about. You've got to be really comfortable with the individual, or you're not going to open up. And it, it was one of those ones I was not comfortable. And then, you know, I I ran into you know someone that I met before, um, and I was like, Hey, how do I get on your your schedule? How do I get you as my provider? And like all things in the military, she was doing a great job, and it was. Coloring outside the lines, so she was no longer taking new clients because she was on her way out of that position. Because she was doing things outside of the scripted, um you know, this is what what you do to get people back to the fight, vice, you know, really taken care of and and doing that. Because we have to remember, the military is not there to help you process out and and go back. The military is there to. Fight our country's battles, win wars, and do the things that 98 percent of America doesn't want to do or talk about. So and we can talk about you know the DoD and the transition process program needs help. It does. But again, you're asking people that job is to mission accomplish uh, mission accomplishment and to go fight and win wars and battles to. Teach people how to get out. And I, I'm to blame for this. I was t- telling people how to get out of service when I had never done it myself. We mean well, but we have no idea what we're talking about. Until you've gone through that process, you, you're a detriment. What we have to do is we have to have conversations. We have to connect with those outside that have gotten out, that have gone through it. Let's hear the good, the bad, the ugly. And I'll tell you the good's nice to hear, but because it it's a false self of of abilities. The, the hey, this is the kind of the norm, and oh my goodness, you don't want part of this. And you know, no one wants to talk about mental health. No one wants to talk about suicide. I, I'll tell you it, it's a quick slope to go from transitioning out and having some hard luck to that deep depression. And you know, thoughts coming in, and I've got some friends, uh, you know personally, you know, and and I'll say this, and, and I'll make sure Neela hears it because she hates it when I say it. I've never had the suicide thought. I love me way too much to hurt me, um, and and I say it like that because I I have a true understanding of no matter how bad I'm going through something. It's going to get better. I'm going to be able to figure something out. I'm going to be able to go back, help someone else. And that's going to put me back that a full uh, emotional fuel tank. And that's going to help me get where I'm at. Uh, I absolutely adore and love what I do. I get to help people figure out who they are and find their successes. I get to take people that are lost and get them on path. and it's not because I, I'm the, you know, be all know all. No, I've got a large network. I've got resources on resources on resources, and I tell everybody I'm a great person to talk to first, because I, I through my experiences, I've gone through a lot of different things, and I talk about a lot of uh, different aspects. But, you know, you come out and tell me, hey, I want to talk about slapper. I'm like, bro. I'm not the dude. <laughs> no, but let me tell you about these like 10, 15 people that I will connect you with. And let me tell you about these programs. Oh, you want to get this, that certification? Oh, I've got plenty of resources. Let me help you get that. And that's something that we we knew when we did it in in service. You know, we we all know about, you know, the, the scrounger, the you know, the, the sergeant, the gunny, the the E4 mafia, you know, we all had that person we could call and get the hookup. It doesn't change. That's what we call networking. And so we all have this, this scary thing when we're getting out and people are like, you have to network. And people are like, whoa, like like that's crazy talk. What do you, what do you mean network? Talk to people. Yeah. It, it's basically the same thing as having the hookup. If I need something, who do I call? That That's what you have. And some of the terms you're going to hear is uh, the hashtag veterans helping veterans that is such a powerful statement that you will never realize the full meaning of until you're a veteran in need um there there are millions of us out here that will pick up a phone that that will show up and have a cup of coffee with you um and, and listen, and how can we help, and who can I connect you with? Um, but you have to make that first conversation. You have to ask for help because we don't know that you need it if you know you're not asking. Um,
1: and I'm sorry, I'm getting so emotional because for <sighs> me, in my transition, you talked about being alone. that's what I struggled with so much. I felt so utterly alone, and I you talked about suicide i don't i don't like to say i was suicidal in my transition but i was as close as you could get then without actually doing it and it was like you said it was such a dark place but it's because i felt like at i felt like i no longer had anybody that i could reach out to or anybody that would mm-hmm. understand and that loneliness i mean it is it is rough and One of the reasons why I wanted you on the podcast so much, and you mentioned it earlier, it's not like you're pretending like you know all of these things. It's something even more powerful. It's that, hey, I know nothing about this, but I know somebody who does. And you've now created a connection and another person that this person now, like that's one less, that's one more person that now I'm not so alone. And the the power of that alone in that transition space is it is hard to even put into words how much that means. And even if like somebody on the outside, I don't think I've ever come to you and asked for anything, but I see you doing it on LinkedIn and knowing that like there's this person that I know I could go to to even ask for something. It is yeah. it is phenomenal. And I just personally thank you for being so transparent in everything you do. And, and can you talk about a little bit about like what you do on LinkedIn and what you're doing now to, to create that. And I know you have a little bit, but that holds so much power.
0: Yeah. And, and I, and I'll tell you the, the feeling of loan, the camaraderie that we have with, you know, the guys and gals that we work with every single day while we're in the shop, while we're in the field, uh, you know, wherever that, that's the bond why Marines will always find Marines, no matter where we are, you know, Hey, I, I I grew the freedom beard. I, I got long hair that's pulled back. Uh, you know, and, and I don't have that look. But when you walk into a room, people are like, Yeah, that's a Marine over there. Um, and, and we just gravitate to each other, and you know, it it it's one of those ones that when you when you leave service, we lose that for a little bit, especially if you move back home, you move someplace where you're not around uh, the base. You're not around uh, those that you know. And it gets beat into our heads so much about, you know, you're a Marine. You're the leader. You, know, you have the answers. And all of a sudden, you're like, I don't have the answers. I don't even have the questions because, you know, the whole we don't know what we don't know. And I want, I want people to really listen to that. We do not know what we do not know. And that is a powerful statement that people do not understand until they've gone through some things. And part of that is we know we we need answers, but we don't know what the questions are. How how do I ask this? Who do I ask this to? And again, you know, you can go on on LinkedIn, you can go on Facebook, you go to search, and you just type in. Uh, you know, filter, you know, uh, prior service, you know, or, or previous companies and Marines, Navy, Air Force, you know, whatever it is. And you're going to have all these people pop up. All those people, if you reach out, you know, and send them a note saying transitioning service member or veteran, you know, blah, 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 are probably going to respond to you. They're willing to help. But we have to be willing to put ourselves out there and ask for help. And that is something that we are very, very bad at doing because we're the ones with the answers. We're not the ones that need help. We're the ones that provide the help. And uh, it's a mindset that builds us up and we do amazing, incredible things with that mindset. But it also holds us back. So my my post-service career, I am a military veteran, military spouse advocate. Um, and the reality is I'm just an advocate if I don't care if you served didn't serve uh, I don't care if you had a you know great career or if you had a five minute career I don't care if you got out in the best terms the worst of terms I don't care I want to help others not suffer and go through the heartache and issues that I do I have gone through and learned, as many things about as much things as I possibly can and made incredible connections all over. I'm good. Again, I, I could, well, I, I can't cause it's just not in me, but I can unplug and go hang out at the beach and, you know, not log onto the computer, not do any of this stuff and still, you know, financially and, you know, physically be able to do that. Now it would, it would rip my heart out and my mind would go crazy because that's just not who I am and, and my emotional fuel tank would not be there. Um, I do this to assist others. No one should have to go through some of the things I went through and I didn't go through the worst of things. And I to understand that is I had um, what I consider to be a, a mild and average, a normal kind of transition space process. And and listen, I I had peaks, I had valleys, you know. For the most part, you know, I I have that mid to just above, and and I'm I'm doing well. But we all go through something. No, one should go through it alone. Nine eight eight, you know, middle health line. God three numbers. People are ready to go through. Uh, make a post uh, into a military or veterans group. People are going to reach out to you. People are going to respond. Uh, I'll stay up all night. Well, as long as I can physically stay awake um, and, and I really listen to you and your story and do what I can to be part of the funeral detail that has to go there. Um, and, and that's what so many of us are out here doing. We're, we're here because uh, service never ends. You know, we we might take uniform off, but our service period doesn't end until, um, you know, the heart stops. So uh, I'm currently the executive director for the Ascend Collective. We are the nonprofit side of Talents Ascend. Talents Ascend is our business side and what we are is the future of hiring. No resumes, no job searching, no applications. Candidates create their free profile. They list up to 25 skills if they have and want to use in their next position in career. They come and tell us you know those skills. They give us the location or locations that they are interested and in, willing to work. They give us the salary range. Uh, and so that goes into our our database. And then our members, which are employers that pay a membership fee, and that's how we get, you know the money to survive, is they pay they can have unlimited uh, position postings. They can have unlimited profile openings. So as they do that, and when they create their uh, positions, they do not do a job vacancy announcement like you would see on Indeed, Monster, LinkedIn, or any other sources. Uh, They list a position and three to 25 skills that that candidate needs to have to be a viable candidate for that role. Once that goes back into our system, the AI goes and does its magic little things, and it finds these matches. And the algorithm is 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 that again. I'm not the IT, the cyber guy. It's not me. I'm the people person. Uh, but when it comes back through, you know, you you get that. And I'll date myself. You know, you go back to the thing, You have mail. Well, it's Ding, You have a, you have a match. Uh, those of you that don't understand that, I'm sorry, it's 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 old, old AOL. Um, I'm sorry, I don't even want to say AOL. Oh, I said it oh. Uh, but when they have those matches, the employer has we remove all unconscious biases. So the only thing that the employer sees is the first and last initial of the candidate, the skills the candidate listed, the location or locations and the salary range that they provided. That's it. They don't know male, female, 18, 100, ethnicity, uh, long hair, beard, blonde, brown, all these things that, that you know, creep into our, our unconscious beings and might sway us are completely eliminated. They have to make a decision based on that, those basic factors if they want to unlock your full or not. Once they unlock that profile, that employer has made a commitment to um, either go through the process and hire you, or if they decide at any point during the process to move on from you and and you're no longer a viable candidate for that role, they've got to give us some kind of feedback as to why. We We have zero ghosting. Again, zero ghosting. When it says you have a match, you will find out if you're still viable or why you were not matched. It might be uh, missing a certain skill. It might be a cultural fit. It might be, you know, we will have a better candidate, whatever it happens to be, you're going to get some kind of feedback if they unlock your profile. And we encourage our employers, you know, if you have a match, why wouldn't you unlock the profile? It costs nothing extra. We're not a military headhunting firm. We're, we're not anybody who, uh, they pay a flat fee for the service. They don't uh, pay us anything extra if they hire one or a 1,000 people. Uh, so it, it's there. Um, we have employers, small and, and large. Uh, some are hiring their first, first employee ever. Some are hiring 10s and 20,000s of people a year. Uh, we, we're we across the, the states. Uh, our candidate pool is large. And by the way, Talents Ascent is open to anybody looking for employment. Uh, you do not have to be military veteran uh, connected. Now, the Ascent Collective, we work with very, three very unique uh, communities. We have Veterans Ascent, this is for military, active guard, and reservist, veterans, all eras, all service discharge statuses, military veteran spouses. And 18-plus-year-old military dependents, Uh, I I tell you, when when they turn 18 or they turn 23 and they're no longer in school and they lose that military ID, they lose that sense of belonging. Uh, I saw it very, very bad with with my oldest when she went through that process. We don't forget about them. We're here to help that community. So that's Veterans Ascend. That's, That's one of our communities to focus. Our second is Ability Ascend. Anyone that has a disability. Again, we're not here to talk about what you can't do. We're here to talk about what you can do. So let's not talk weaknesses. Let's talk strengths, because that's what we go through in the employment process. We talk about what we can do. There is a million things out there that I cannot do, but that's not what people are trying to hire me for. So stop worrying about those, and let's talk about what you can do. And our third community focus is mission to ascend. It is for individuals that have justice involvement or looking for a second chance in life. So again, we have all had a hiccup. No one's perfect. It's about you know changing lives. And, and again, those are our three communities of focus. Our employers can click on one, two, or all three of those. They can click on none of them, but all of those categories have a higher uh, matching rate because that's what we're here to promote. We're helping the underserved communities uh, the individuals that get screened out by the applicant tracking system or the uh, the human eye uh it it's it's taking the this is how we've always done it and throwing that out the window technology has has arrived we have abilities to do things in a better uh, more inclusive manner and that's what uh, talents is doing again it it is a, a different method and we do not have you sign any kind of contract with us. You can use our platform absolutely free and continue to do your employment traditional employment search with no harm, no foul. We're going to get you opportunities to talk to companies that you would have never known existed that uh, might be in a position that you didn't know was a position. And I'll tell you, since I got out of service, there's all kinds of jobs out here that I didn't know was a thing. Uh, again, we don't know what we don't know. Uh, we do a weekly uh, a walkthrough. It's a 30-minute webinar for the candidates to go through. And it explains the platform. and It talks about how to optimize your profile to get uh, the best matches. For our employers, we do a live three uh, 360. It's another 30-minute webinar. It talks about the platform. And we can kind of do a little demo of, you know, hey, what's that skill that you just desperately need but can't find? Well, let's go check it out and see if we can find that for you in our database of individuals already. So, check us out townsascend.com, the ascendcollective.org. Uh it's it's another means and resource that are out there for you.
1: And um, I'm probably gonna have you on another time just to talk about that and break that completely down because I love that you talked about unconscious bias and all. of I mean, there's so much with that that we we could talk about almost completely separate as well. But so I'm gonna ask the last question, which is, if you had to take the oath again, would you? And that doesn't have to be a yes or a no. It could be more of a lessons learned. But um, would in you a, take that oath again?
0: In a heartbeat. <laughs> Uh, not only would I take the oath again, uh, I consider myself to have not done all the things I wish I would have done in service. Uh, I got to do a lot of fun, cool things, unique things, different things. Uh, but I did not have a trad- the traditional Marine Corps experience. There, There's a lot of those things that I would have loved to have gone back and done. And... Uh, it, I am not me without taking that oath without stepping on those yellow footprints, without going through the suck with without uh, doing all the things I went and did. Uh, I showed up at boot camp young, you know just you know not knowing nothing again, I came from a small farm town, you know we, you didn't have to know a whole lot, you just had to get by um and It it was not always the easiest approach. Uh, You know, uh, I ran into many a wall because I was too stupid to step to my left or right and use the door. Uh, But we learn from those things. And uh, without the Marine Corps, I have no idea who I am or where I would be. And there's more than just the Marine Corps that did it and when we say the marine corps the institution is amazing and you know you can go through the lineage and the traditions and the history but the people the people that grabbed me and they they could have taken me to you know njp and ended my career um, but they gave me those opportunities to learn and grow and become who I became. You can never thank them enough. You can't name them all because there's so many. But it doesn't happen without me signing that contract, without taking the oath, and and doing the work. And that's as you you know kind of left the last question. I I'll just tell everybody: you you have to do the work. No one's doing it for you. Um, it. It's transitions, weird, scary, and, and different than what we know, but success is out there waiting. Uh, plenty of people are ready to assist you, resources, individuals. Uh, just ask the question and you know, put the ego and pride aside and, and just ask the question. And it could be something as simple as I'm lost and I just need someone to talk to. You're going to find someone to talk to, and they're going to say, oh, I don't know nothing about that, but you know, I, I know X or I know Y, and, and let me get you connected to them. And whether that's a person, a resource, or both, that's, that's what is out there. Um, we just have to be willing to admit we don't know it all, and we could use a little assistance.
1: This is the Oath We Took podcast, and you just heard a piece of Bruce's story, You now know one more Marine and one more piece of Marine Corps history. His service matters. His stories matter. Not every Marine story is the same. We didn't all join the military for the same reason. What is the same is the oath that we all took. An oath that easily could have ended in death. And for some, it did. So listeners, instead of asking you to thank a Marine for their service, I'm going to challenge you to continue to listen to their stories instead.